Welcome back to another episode of Who Knows When the Heck This Is Getting Uploaded. Woo! Yay! Just kidding. Welcome to another bonus episode. This is the Pixar Theory Part 2, because Ryan and I really underestimated how much time we were going to need to talk about the Pixar Theory. Severely underestimated. And guys, we're just doing the basics, like we said. Like, this is way more complicated than we're even talking about. So, like I said the in Part 1... The Pixar Theory is a book written by John Negroni. Again, I apologize if I'm not saying his name correctly. And then there are many, many, many YouTube accounts that cover the Pixar Theory. So we are really just touching the surface. And we ended the last episode talking about Toy Story 3. I thought that was the perfect place to end. But Ryan, what year uh, What year was that again? 2010. 2010. Okay. So where are we starting? We're just going to get right into it, guys, because like we said, we need all the time in the world with this. So where are we starting off our part two of the Pixar theory? So part two starts with up. But so in the theory, it says between 2011 and 2016 that up took place because they did go on this grand journey. So no one, I guess the theory is not able to exactly pin down mm-hmm. when the events were i like to say you know for my whole like math breakdown last episode i just chose 2013 because it's right in the middle of those two days so we all remember 2013 i mean nothing to what happened in 2013 honestly we weren't even supposed to be alive in 2013 oh my god fun fact about ryan okay before we get into the (laughs) nitty-gritty of this ryan was so invested in the concept of 2012 i really was i remember in 2008 because our dad like obsessively watched um the history channel and the discovery channel yeah and he was watching this episode about whatever, you know, about the Mayans, you know, the Mayan calendar and everything, and basically how it ends in 2012, December 21st. So I was on like a four year long crisis. <laughs> I thought we were all gonna I die. I really, really thought, I mean, I'm so gullible. I have a specific memory of doing your hair when you were watching the movie on your phone. Yeah, because I was like, <laughs> I need to be prepared for when this happens. Anyway. Thankfully, it did. So I don't know, maybe up is just not even real. Oh, don't even. <laughs> don't even. That, but that's not the theory we're going into today. We're trying to connect some Pixar movies. Um, and Up really does, I think, connect a lot of it. Like in the last episode, we talk about how we saw a Lotso bear. Yes. In Up, which it. is perfectly connected because Toy Story 3 was just the last movie, you know, about a few years prior. So, I mean... This would make perfect sense that, like, the Lotso Bear is going to be there. And direct with the Lotso Bear. So it's the scene where, you know, he releases the balloons and the balloons start to go up. Yes. The Lotso Bear is tangled in the balloons. And there's a scene where this little girl is playing with her, um, like, playing in her room. And she sees the balloons go by. And apparently that's a little girl from the daycare in Toy Story 3. 
Oh, I did see something about Apparently that. Apparently, it's like, the same little girl. You need to pay, like, extra attention to details to catch something like that. So. And also, one thing we've been going through here on this journey is my eras. Oh, right? are we in a new era? We're in a new era. So, we were in Humans Are Dumb for quite a long time. We ended that with Toy Story 3. Now, we're in the shortest era of them all. Old people are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we don't really get any more of that in any of these. So the only movie in this era is up. The is only movie in this era is that Carl Fredrickson is just the best. Your opinion, but okay. <laughs> I mean, maybe because he's so just like reminiscent of so many people I've known in my life. Cranky, cranky <laughs> old people. Our family's filled with cranky old people. Yes. Sorry, Mom, not you. You know who we're talking about. <laughs> with, you know, things like Up, and you get to see, like, such a beautiful, like, journey from him. And, like, he warms up to kids, to animals, to himself, to his life, his future, his reality. You know, because the whole movie is about, like, running from reality. Amen um, to that. Yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> I'm not doing a movie review, but... So, something interesting that I learned... Uh, researching this is that so Kevin yeah is you know a big part of the theory as well because he's an intelligent animal Kevin mm-hmm. as we know is the big colorful 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 I couldn't say that for a second colorful bird um so in the good dinosaur all the way back in the beginning we do see these very big colorful birds very reminiscent of Kevin. Interesting. So people like to connect it that way, that Kevin is like this very, like, down this long line of, like, his kind Which that has existed sense. for a while. So it just suggests, you know, that whatever type of bird Kevin even is, I don't know what. I mean, an I ostrich? Like, a rainbow ostrich? I'm not Let's sure. Let's go with that. Rainbow ostrich. With a Maybe toucan. he's gay. Oh, Listen. Uh, oh, no, but it's a girl. Kevin's a girl. Yeah. Ryan is a proud member of the LGBTQ community, guys. I just, am. Just so. before you start rolling your eyes or getting upset, <laughs> Ryan is a part of the LGBTQ community. Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, as a member, am I allowed to call things gay? I want Kevin to be gay, like a, like a lesbian icon. Oh, my God. <laughs> If you want to start that movement, then go right for it. There is this theory. I mean, our next movie, there is a theory. Okay, can you like, of- <laughs> stay on topic for one second? I'm just saying this ain't the first gay theory we, we are going to be presenting. Oh, god! But, yeah. In the last episode, we broke off a lot into talking about Up in relation to other movies. Because there's just so much. I mean, with the dog collars and the dogs mm-hmm. being intelligent and them needing the collars to be intelligent because they were around humans mm-hmm. whereas birds like kevin intelligent on their own yes things like that so the big thing i had with up is um the by and large company we saw it in toy story on the batteries and this mm-hmm. is where by and large really starts to make its presence known in pixar because um, I'm going to call it BNL for short because you never see it written as by and large. Really, it's mostly seen written as BNL. Um, so the BNL logo appears on the construction equipment in the middle of the, you know, expansion at the beginning of the movie when they're trying to get Carl, Fredericks- Carl Fredrickson's house. 
So BNL really comes into play as we move further along in the Pixar theory. But that's my big thing with this is just, again, BNL collect, collect. What are words today? Yeah, we're really having... <laughs> B&L really time. is the common presence in a lot of Pixar movies. But some other Easter eggs in Up is um, you actually see Buzz Lightyear very quickly in the grape soda commercial. Oh, wow. And... Oh, actually, no, that was the only other one I had because I already talked about Lotso and the little girl. So I'm good. I yeah. quick points. <laughs> Essentially, the biggest point to understand here going into the next few movies we're going to talk about is just that you know technology is really you know advancing even further the intelligence of animals and their relations directly to humans you know we saw in ratatouille you know now it is normalized to have a rat cook and serve your food and up we see dogs serving food as well being like as servants you know they are just their own thing also, I apologize if you hear my chair squeaking. I don't. Do you hear this? I mean, I hear it because <laughs> I'm here, but I don't know. That was just like um. Have I gained like twenty pounds? A overnight? celebrity guest appearance from the chair. From the chair. <laughs> okay, so we are not going too much further down the line for our next movie. You know, we are roughly in the year 2013. We're time jumping two years later to 2015. And this Listen, is the year is 2013 <laughs> to 2015. I am convinced I was in a coma or something because I like what did I do during those years? It's like I was those, just I, being absolutely crazy. Well, you were still in high school. Yeah, I was out of high school. It's like that weird brown area of your life when you graduate high school and you really don't know what's going on. Yeah, that was me. I don't know. That's crazy. I barely remember it either. But, so we're doing Inside Out. And this is was definitely, I remember this was in my top five. I absolutely love Inside Out. And yes. this, to me, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like this is another pretty significant moment on the Pixar Theory timeline. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so, as I said, last arrow, very short. Old people are awesome. Old people are cool. Now we're going into our next era called emotional breakthrough oh god i thought you were gonna say emotional breakdown <laughs> <laughs> no we are going into an era that i you know in this theory i like to think that humans just went into like a hippie era or something of course because with these next few movies everyone's having an existential crisis literally it's all about emotions the afterlife you know what happens beyond reality, after reality, before, it's just crazy. Yeah. But Inside Out is arguably, I think, one of the deepest Pixar movies. Yeah. And I will actually read you an excerpt, or is that the word excerpt? Excerpt. Excerpt? I don't know. Whatever. From the official um, timeline theory. Mm -hmm. It says, this is when Pixar finally reveals the source of human, quote-unquote, energy. It's emotion, as well as imagination that has differing levels of power based on the person, as demonstrated in Monsters, Inc. Yeah. So this is where we really see the concept of human energy. And it says, we also meet Bing Bong, an imaginary friend who appears to be based on a comedic monster. Yeah. Riley would have encountered post-Monsters, Inc., so, so there is a huge connection here yeah. with Inside Out and Monster Inc. And honestly, no one really talks about this. In, they're trying to prove that Inside Out is directly 
connected to Monsters, Inc. Because as we said in part one, where Monsters, Inc., like, you know, they time travel into the real world of these humans. So they're trying to make the argument that Bing Bong was actually from Monstropolis. Yeah, I mean, it's a really good theory. It really helps prove, like, that time travel, you know, that Riley had seen or knew these monsters at one point, and, like, whether, you know, Bing Bong was the one originally sent to scare Riley and they became friends, or is she, you know, maybe he's really not there and she harnessed, like, this memory of him in her mind, you know, as her friend. Who knows? Bing because Bong's awesome, by Also, the way. at the end of Monsters, Inc., they started harnessing human laughter. Mm-hmm. So maybe Bing Bong was, like, a little comedian. I mean, you saw Mike Wazowski cracking them jokes at the end of Monsters, Inc. I would have been cracking up. He was like... You would have been screaming your head off crying. He was like, oh, oh I remember kindergarten. Best three years of my life. And <laughs> the kid's, like, stone like, yeah. what? Ryan was scared of everything as a kid. I'm still scared of everything, but I love Mike Wazowski. But yeah, I mentioned before, you know, like little tiny things. You see Riley in Finding Dory, like small things here and there. It was a newer movie, Inside Out. Yeah. Um, so it was hard at first to fit it into the theory. Obviously, a new Pixar movie comes out. You got to find out where it fits in. But it was very much, you know, very 2015, 2016-ish. You see all the technology we have today. Nothing too crazy. This one very much focuses on, you know, inside the head. So mm-hmm. I think as we see the downfall of humans come in the Pixar theory and in the Pixar universe, it has a lot to do, I believe, with this all of a sudden, like, harnessing their energy, understanding their emotions, or, like, humans caving in on themselves because they're too aware. I don't know. It's Listen. very interesting. And to continue that thought, we'll just jump right into, like, the next two movies we're going to have together because it's on the same exact type of theme of, like, emotional breakthrough era. Yes. We're going just, you know, two more years down the line. We're going to 2017 for Coco Coco. and Soul. Soul, we're kind of just going to put them... They're both within the same type of time frame. I think this all makes sense very much together, Inside Out, Soul, and Coco within those three years. Because, and you know, even with Up, it things like this was all very much, like, human-oriented. And then, you know, Inside Out, we saw the beginning of human emotions, you know, inside someone's head. And then we go into things like Soul and Coco that deal heavily with afterlife. You know, like, your soul, who you yeah. are, is, like, inside as a person. And so much about like an emotional journey so we're not you know watching movies about talking toys and fish and rats cooking food like this is like real (sighs) heavy 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 serious stuff and to me it's crazy because you know as we see going further down the theory you for argument's sake you could say that this was a big part of humans downfall i mean i would i would agree to that and then I feel like it's a Remy, very, I said Remy instead of very. <laughs> Pixar on the brain. It's very reminiscent of reality, I feel, you know, like when you, I guess if humans were to be too aware, wouldn't the same type of thing happen? Yeah, so this is, um, again, this kind of falls in with the topic of human emotion as energy because, you know, Coco travels to the land of the dead, which we know, or not Coco, Miguel, mm-hmm. sorry, Miguel, Travels to the land of the dead and, you know... Oh, they're talking about how human energy transfers itself in the afterlife. They kind of use what happens in the land of the dead, how you see human energy kind of transform into music. 
and the emotion that provokes it. And then this was another interesting argument, one that I have not seen made actually ever. This was kind of a surprise to me. There is a theory that this hints to the connection between the spirits and the wisps from Brave. I did see that very So a briefly. connection from Coco to Brave. I kind of yeah. just babbled for a couple minutes, and that's <laughs> what I was getting at. There is a theory that the Wisps from Brave are connected to the afterlife, afterlife spirits um, from Coco because, it, you know, it's a harness of human energy in the afterlife. Boom. There. Yeah. Yeah. Something that just occurred to me while thinking about all of this, because... Spoiler alert, the next movie we're going to go to is Cars. But being in this era of, you know, pure human emotion and afterlife and everything, like, part of me wondered, I mean, because that's what Soul and Coco kind of is about, you know, is like death in a way. I'm like, did someone accidentally like reincarnate themselves as their car? I'll save my commentary for that when we get there. (laughs) I'm like, how did that, like, what mix up happen? I mean, this is the Pixar universe. Anything is possible. And for argument's sake, you could say just about anything. But realistically, I'm like, you know, they harness all this this power and ability, you know. It's not too far off to say. I have a confession. I still haven't finished the movie Soul. Really? I, so... It was think, really good. It was just really intense. That's the thing. I have... Soul came out during a very intense time in my life when I was going through... Um, a pretty big life change, you know. I was not in the best state mentally. I really wasn't sure what was going to happen in the future for me. So it was just watching a movie about your purpose in life and finding meaning was just not something I was mentally able to do. Mm-hmm. I started watching it and maybe like 10 minutes in, I was like, I can't do this. This is too much. It was just not what I expected. Yeah. I mean, I know, I mean, the movie's called Soul. So, you know, it's going to be about your soul. And yeah, I just couldn't but... do it. I need to do it. Now that I'm in a much healthier state of mind, I need to probably sit down and watch it again. But no, I tried and I was like, I just can't do it. It's a beautiful movie. It is. And I was just yeah questioning my whole purpose in life. So watching a movie about yeah. finding your purpose, I was like, nope, I can't do it right now. I'm sorry. And they also released that movie in the middle of a pandemic. Exactly. It was just not like, I just can't do it. I've heard it's amazing. Everyone says it's great and I'm sure it's great. But I, I, I'll get there. <laughs> I think, though, that it's a great place that like to transition because, in a way, I think it does kind of show that humans are essentially, in a way, like caving in on themselves, understanding their souls. It's like a, an emotional crisis in my eyes. I feel like that's what happens. But What a place. <laughs> I don't know. Humans are, are too sensitive for this. Literally. But with all that being said... We are going to do a massive time jump, massive time traveling, which I guess we have the ability to do with all the AI and technology we have now from Syndrome. Syndrome. (laughs) (laughs) I always wants to call him Sinjin. I always want to call him Sinjin. So yeah, I mean, all the way back, you know, with because the origins of Syndrome, we got everything now. And now in the year 2100. Yes. We got talking cars, baby. Oh, boy. And we are in the era entitled Humans Don't Exist. And it's so funny because you really, (laughs) I mean, okay, so I'm going to kind of like, I guess, jump around for a minute. And this is all I'm going to ask. But is it 
said that the humans are no longer on Earth because of what happened in Wally. Yes. Okay. And so, I'll leave it at that. Humans Cars, are gone because of the events that took place in Wally. Yes. So what I mean here is obviously I was just saying like humans had an emotional crisis during Soul and Coco and everything like that. So what, in my knowledge, and it was a massive time jump of about 100 years between those movies and Cars. So within those 100 years, that's when the events of Wally started to take place. Humans fled and went up into the sky, into their big... Which, when you think about it, a hundred years really isn't that long no, and for like, all of this to happen. A lot of people's complaints are like, you know, when Wally starts, you see like a very much dead universe, but that took hundreds of years to happen. Humans did not leave it that decayed. So, for the theory, what they present is that cars, cars two, cars three are all between the years 2100 and 2200. Okay. And that when we see Wally and Eve for the first time, that's going to be closer to the year 2,800. There's so many numbers right so now. So as we see, you know, you know, humans fled shortly after the events of Soul and Coco. You know, the and then in Cars, a lot of people argued that, you know, in Cars we still see life. We see vegetation, you know, life as an animal. I said that thing about the crabs last episode. Yeah, and then we see cows as well, things like that. We see buildings still intact. We see landmarks and monuments, you know, here throughout all three movies. And then, so people are like, how, you know, and when we start Wally, everything's dead. Yeah. There's no life at all. You know, Wally finds one little bud of a flower and goes crazy. But that's because there was about 500 to 700 years roughly in between these movies and the things that Wally could be finding and even Eve or whatnot are the old cars yeah so focusing I mean cars cars 2 and cars 3 were pretty much all lumping together right oh because it's the same type of thing right after the other so this cars cars 2 and cars 3 kind of directly correlates to the toy story franchise in the sense that humans are gone and you know how in toy story the toys came to life when humans weren't around yeah that it's said that it's the same thing here now that humans are gone machines are the only thing left and you know it pretty much follows the rules of toy story now that you know their owners are gone these cars come to life and are trying to find you know a new purpose you know and so this is what um, I think we were getting at earlier, where it's assumed that these cars took on the personalities and the roles of their former owners. Yes. So, and they carry on human traditions as, you know, that's the only thing they really knew because they were owned by people. Which does prove that yeah. humans were around pretty recently still because they yeah. adopted those personalities of their owners very, like, I'm... Sure, as soon as they became a thing, they're like, oh, I'm going to be, like, the only thing I knew. Yeah. So, and then, of course, there is the plot hole of, like, well, there were new cars made in these movies, so, like, how did they get their personalities? But, you know, don't think too much into this, guys. Yeah. There's always a plot hole. You know, we see the Lightning McQueen shirt Mm -hmm. on one of the kids in, what was it, Toy Story? Toy Story 3, I believe, In the daycare, he had a Lightning McQueen shirt on, so... It's like a little interesting because of the events of, you know, but then for argument's sake, you can say Lightning McQueen 
was a famous race car driver in that car. Yeah. No, for his life, that was his, you know, yeah. Lightning McQueen was a famous, I don't know, NASCAR. Yeah. Whether it exists in Pixar or not. So Lightning McQueen was being driven around this time. And he was like one of the most famous race cars. Can I say the, the really morbid part of this theory? I don't know. And I don't know if you picked up on this. Because obviously, eventually, the timeline pretty much ends. I think Monsters, Inc. right now is the last thing on the timeline. Because Monsters, Inc. is like... Oh, thousands yeah. of years By beyond far this. Lasting. So the question is, well, what happened to all the cars? If yeah. now monsters are running, well, if you've seen Cars 2, one of the biggest issues is that there's not enough fuel to go around to power the cars. Well, there's also no human emotion to power the cars because this mm. is when, you know, human emotion is established as a really big power source. So eventually, the cars die out. Because yeah. there's not enough fuel and no human emotion. So there's nothing to power them. So that answers the question of what happens to the cars eventually in the Pixar timeline. They all die out. Yeah, I mean, that actually makes perfect valid sense. Because there's no humans, there's no anything, really. So eventually, because cars, those movies take place over about 200 years or so. Yeah. You know, so that's a completely valid um, about time. About 700 years. I'm looking at the timeline right now. It's about 700 years. Oh, right, because Wally doesn't start until. So it I think it does make sense, you know, not all Yeah. We, so because we had, you know, the dinosaurs in the beginning, they didn't rule. Forever. This is where the timeline gets a little complicated, so I'll just give you guys a quick punch note or yeah. whatever. So the beginning of Wally takes place around year 2100. What, wait, what did you say? 2800? No, the beginning part. Like, the of events. Wally? Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, the timeline here gets a little tricky. So, the beginning events of Wally, and what I mean by that is you, you don't even see Wally yet. It's the events where, you know, the humans do their thing and escape the Earth or whatever. That's at around 2100, right around there. And that's right when Cars supposedly takes place. The official timeline says, you know, around year 2050 to 2100 is when, you know, humans pretty much dip out of Earth. The events of Cars 1, 2, and 3 are, you know, 2100 to like end of 2700. And then Wally the movie is around 2800. Which makes perfect sense because if Cars were ruling the planet for about 600 years, the Earth is definitely going to decay a little bit. And also something I want to point out to how um, Inside Out, Soul, and Coco were in my emotional breakthrough era. Does it not make sense to end an emotional breakthrough era by dipping out into a huge blimp in the sky? And then you're just, you know, humans mindless a, drones for the rest of your humans life? Humans had a whole crisis and they're like, you know what? We're just going to leave. Sounds like something humans would we do. We harnessed, you know, how to envision our souls and like our emotions in our head and we're just going to... We're good. We're just going to go eat cheeseburgers. Yep. And on floating chairs in the sky. Mm hmm. Bye. Bye. All right. So, speaking of that, are we ready to move on to Wally? Yeah. So, envision this cars ruled the world for about 700 years and the earth went to poopy. Yep. And then we are entering back into my favorite era that we are in for most of this. Humans are dumb <laughs> again. <laughs> Because they decided that they don't want to use their legs. They want to float around on floating chairs and just, like, be 
gloves. Mm -hmm. Yes. They don't want to try. They don't want to do anything. They don't want to accept their planet. They don't want to try to save it. That's a whole nother thing. But Wally. So. I love him. I told you, one of the biggest things I focused on in this theory, and I can't even tell you why, was the good old company of, by and large. Yes. B&L. So I'm going to do my little ex- expert excerpt. You really think I would pick words that I could actually say, but, you know, no. No. So, in the beginning parts of WALL-E, B&L has completely taken over the world at this point. They've taken over the government, and this leads, you know, to the ravaging of Earth's resources due to overpopulation. So, blah, 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 mankind ends up evacuating so that B&L can restore Earth with the help of WALL-E units. Exactly. So that's where Wally came from. Yeah. The company BNL. Blah 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 blah. And then Operation Cleanup apparently ended in the year like 21 something. But BNL evacuated before one city was finished. The last Wally unit is still cleaning things up and has survived this long due to being solar powered and his obsession with human trinkets. Mm. Which reminded me a lot of Ariel. Which give him the will he needs to survive. Later, he helps an Eve unit bring a Starliner back to a restored Earth so humans can repopulate and start over. Something I kept seeing, people were like, well, you know, Eve's job was to scan the planet for any signs of life. Like, any life at all. And people were saying, you know, it's very clear here. A lot of people weren't understanding that the cars are gone. Yeah. Because people were like, oh, well, if she was scanning for her signs of intelligent life, she would have found the cars. And I'm like, no, the cars are gone. They are gone. There is absolutely nothing. So it's very important to understand here, like, it's just Wally and Eve. Yeah, they're the only ones, guys. We pretty much already covered how Wally connects to everything else. I think it's funny because BNL pretty much is the reason that Earth falls to complete garbage, you know, which should have been the red flag and up. They were trying to take Carl Fredrickson's home. That was your red flag. Yeah. Right there. And they oh, ended up just dest- so annoying. They ended up destroying the whole world. And they tried to drag him off to a nursing home. Yeah. So we pretty much already covered how Wally connects to the Pixar theory because Wally is like the aftermath of everything. Humans are gone. Now the intelligent life of cars are gone and it's Wally. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, it's a big like not in a way how everything was going up, 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 and Wally's kind of like the down point, and then we go up again. Yeah, so... I don't mean it in a way that Wally's bad, because Wally's like my second favorite Pixar movie ever. Um, but I think it's just kind of to show like the rejuvenation of life. You know, everything led up to here, and now we're going to rebuild it. So it was very important as to where this got placed in the theory. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? We're pretty much like the events of Wally end around like somewhere in the 2800s. Yeah, it's about 2800 to 2900. Okay. Roughly. And so going into the next movie, because it takes place within the same, like right after Wally, you know, at the end of Wally, if I don't know, most people know this, but at the end of Wally, the humans come back. The movie ends with them stepping off their huge... What do you even... I keep calling it a blimp. I'm just calling it a blimp. Um, and they... Essentially, they're come back and they're going to rebuild the planet. So, we're going to go about 100 years down the line or so uh, to about the year about 2,900 to 3,000. Okay. 
for a movie A Bug's Life. Which I'm not a fan of, but I don't hate. I'm just not a fan. I have a lot to say about A Bug's Life. because So, essentially, it was placed here in mm. the Pixar theory, in the timeline, to show the rejuvenation of life. Okay. It's essentially, they decide, because for me, A Bug's Life could have been placed anywhere. It, it really could have placed, been. It could have been like, before the good dinosaur, after the good dinosaur. Bugs have been, been around like, for ever. Thousands the of The only years. place it wouldn't have worked was around Wally, because that's when everything was dead. Hold on, Tony's calling me. Oh, God. Hey, you are currently on a microphone, so say hi to the podcast listeners. Hi, podcast listeners. All right, Ryan and I are finishing um, up an episode. Sound a little happier, why don't you? Nice. So can I call you back and like? Oh, did you guys never do it last night? No, we did. We just have to split it into part two because we there's a lot of information that goes into it. Tony, one, two, three. Favorite Pixar movie? Go. Oh, good one. Yeah. Okay, you're gonna guest spot on here. One, two, three. Favorite Pixar movie? Because that's what we're talking about. I don't know Pixar like that. I'm gonna say like Monsters Inc. is the first one that comes to mind, but I feel like there's other ones that like. Oh, that's Ryan's favorite, and Ryan's our certified Pixar expert, so... I approve of your answer. What's your top fives? Oh, well, why don't you listen to our um, episode called Ultimate Pixar Showdown, and you will know our top five. Just tell me now. A dream is a wish your heart makes... So essentially, A Bug's Life, being that it was only the second Pixar movie to ever be created after Toy Story 1, obviously is not going to have as many Easter eggs, and also considering that the movie really does just take place, you know, in the grass. Yeah. With all the bugs. So essentially what this shows to me is just proving, like, Earth did grow back up again, so it's not a decaying mess. So again, Bugs Life was never my favorite movie. So the movies, I really don't know that well. I'm just reading the slots off of the official Pixar timeline. Mm -hmm. And this is what it says about a Bugs Life and how it fits into the theory. And it's pretty much kind of like what you just said, but more official. Mm -hmm. So after nearly a century of repopulation, human emotion energy has returned a spark to the world because now that humans are coming back, then we have human emotion as energy again. Um, So this is enough to prompt insects and birds into rebuilding their own societies, starting small by repurposing leftover human artifacts as cities. Bugs don't seem to care much about humans and they prove to be much smarter than other animals. Likely because they've survived the Cars era as shown through the cockroach and Wally. Because mm-hmm. there are bugs in Wally. Yeah. Unlike the more primal birds, bugs are inventing things, putting on circuses, and developing an interconnected civilization of their own. So again, it's saying that because human energy is such a powerful energy source, yeah. this is why bugs will be able to create their own society, I guess. Yeah. I mean, with that one, I it really could be placed anywhere, but I think it's the most purposeful and impactful impactful to have it right in between Wally and our next movie. So with that being said, uh, this is the big one, right? This is the big one. This is the, the huge time travel, and this is the finale, right? For this us? is the finale. We're entering our final era that we call humans are monsters. Yes. Bum bum bum. But in a good way, which is honestly very symbolic when I just said it. Humans are monsters. But yeah, I like to say here 
also that we are not getting cut a break with this evolution stuff because we were cars and bugs and now we're monsters. Yeah. I want to know what freaking uh, Charles Darwin thinks of this. Oh, God. He's rolling over in his grave right now. He was like, because we're saying that we evolved into monsters and he's like, no. 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 (laughs) But yeah, Monsters, Inc. is also a really big part of this theory. Obviously, we said with, you know, the time travel, boobing the witch from Brave, harnessing human energy, human emotions, using that for power. Such a big thing. And obviously, we said, you know, in Inside Out, we saw things like Bing Bong, which kind of symbolized the, the direction we were heading in. And then also, I like to think with things, you know... Obviously, people will say, well, I thought, you know, the end of Wally, humans were coming back and everything was going to be fine. We did re- rebuild the planet, but I'm letting you know what year we're in right now because I don't think I said it. No, we didn't. We are in the year 4,500 to roughly the year 5,000. Yeah, we're way far down the line. So for people to say, oh, well, humans were supposed to be here still. That was about uh, 2,000 years ago. Yeah, so... So, quite a bit has happened since then. And it is said that, um... So, apparently this is on the Monsters, Inc. DVD. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That in the land of Monstropolis, it is a myth that humans who look like animals rebelled against humans at some point. And this myth coincides with the idea that animals have finally evolved past humans. But we are still reliant on human emotion as power. So the monsters start Monsters, Inc. and Monsters University in order to harvest this energy from the past where humans are still around. Makes perfect sense as to why we have Monsters University, a school that was built in order to teach this. Yeah. And make it a whole thing. And for me, with the time travel, I mean, honestly, you don't want Boo coming into this universe. But Mm -hmm. I think the stakes are even higher Because they're essentially time traveling. So they don't want Boo running through the door and coming into their world because she's all of a sudden like 3,000 years into the future. So I think that ups the stakes a little more as to why she can't be there. Yeah. Besides the fact that she is a child and, you know, they're kind of like Boo is like their, yeah, Boo is like their product, you know, they're using her for her emotions So for many reasons, they want her out of there and they want her safe. But I think the big reason is that if they don't return Boo safely to her room, that not only exposes them in a way, but also could like mess with the timeline. And these are probably things that they were taught, you know, in the university between like monster and human interaction and, you know, the timeline, time jumping, things like that. Very important. But is that it? Are we... Is that it? So that is essentially it. We talked about, I mean, so much of the Easter eggs in Monsters, Inc. Yeah. Can I throughout. read you the official epilogue of this? Because oh, yeah. you know how there is an official epilogue. Because Monsters, Inc., even like with all the new movies and stuff that have come out, Monsters, Inc. is the pretty, the end of the timeline because it's like in the year like 5,000 at some point. Oh, yeah. So this is in regards, it's an epilogue because it's about Boo being the witch. Yes. In Brave. So I'm reading you the official epilogue from the Pixar theory. At the end of Monsters, Inc., Sully has discovered that laughter and joy are more powerful emotions than fear. 
This ends the Pixar timeline at a moment of true harmony between humans, animals, and machines. Yeah. Which is kind of beautiful. It is beautiful. I love that. However, Sully exposes a young girl he names Boo to the monster world. Desperate to find him and remembering the power of the doors, Boo grows up to become a witch in order to find Sully. This is the same witch from Brave who has traveled to the past to find her, quote-unquote, kitty, who looks like a bear, not realizing Sully lives in a distant future. The witch uses doors as portals, has items from various points in time, and even has a drawing of Sully in her workshop. For now, her story is not complete. Wow. That is the official epilogue. Now, to really tie in the Pixar theory, that would be great for a movie. Right? Of some sorts. Like, I mean, we were saying this the other day, that the multiverse is going to become the new trend. Yeah. So why would Pixar not kind of feed into this and create, like, the witch's multiverse? Oh, God. It's literally take Doctor Strange and the multiverse of madness, but make it... Pixar. But make it boo. Yeah. (laughs) And everyone's always been wanting, like, a boo center type of movie. Yeah. Because obviously we all always want another Monsters, Inc. movie, and we got Monsters University, which took place before boo. But everyone kind of to want to know, like, what happens to her. She goes mentally insane. I mean, I kind of want to see that (laughs) in a way. (laughs) I need to see it. But it's kind of like this whole crazy loop because the witch was using the doors to time travel in medieval Scotland in the 14th century. And then we see in the year, like, 4500, the monsters are doing it. So it's like, in a way, did they somehow, like, help each other with the time traveling through doors? This this is where it gets super because complicated. Because in Brave, you know, she's doing it, but she knew to do it because it happened to her as a child. But yeah. She, you know, your it's, eyes I, are like bugging out of your head right now. <laughs> it's just it's it's too much. I can't even like process it. But you get what I'm saying. Yeah. And if no. you don't, then figure it out. Look it up, guys. Like I said, <laughs> look it up. There's so many YouTube videos on it. There, it, you can go on John Negroni's website and look at the official Pixar theory timeline yourself. He has his own podcast. There's a book. You can honestly dedicate your life <laughs> yeah. researching the Pixar theory. It's Definitely. really interesting. But like I said, we just kind of hit the basics. Um, and of course, Pixar movies are going to be coming out for a long time. So you yeah. know, eventually, we'll probably do a, a part three. Yeah, because we have Turning Red, we have to fit into the theory, the new Pixar movie, we're gonna have... Luca. um, Luca, and then the new Buzz Lightyear movie's coming out, so that's gonna be like... With baby daddy Chris Evans? Yeah. But that's a pretty easy one to fit in, in comparison to Toy Story 1, but you know, if this is gonna be an ongoing theory, so... Absolutely. Eventually, we'll be back to fit it all in. All right. Thanks for coming on again, Rye. Yeah. Third time's a charm. Let's see if she can get the sign out right. All right, guys. It's not goodbye. It's see you real soon. Oh, she got it. Yay. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.